Hello, ladies and gents. It's been a couple of weeks, but I'm glad to be back with the podcast. Um, a friend asked me the other day how the podcast was going and why I hadn't uploaded one uh, in a while. Uh, well, the reason being that at the start of this month, I was in Ibiza. Uh, whilst I was there, however, I got into a conversation with someone who I thought I couldn't help but think would make a really excellent guest. Uh, and it's a pleasure to have him joining me today, Mr. Wayne Lineker. Wayne, it was a pleasure to get the chance to meet you uh, earlier this month, and I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, now we finally got down to it. How's things? Yeah, um, firstly, nice for you to reach out to me, and thank you for you know inviting me on your podcast. Um, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about anything you want to talk about, and um, yeah, things are things are okay. I made a prediction in January that this year would be in between 2019 and 2020, and I was pretty much spot on. Um, yeah, it's been really good. Um, well, not really. It's been good, should I say. Yeah. And it's not been the disaster last year was, um, which was a complete disaster. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's got it got a little bit stronger every 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 week, to be honest. Um, the problem we've got this year is we're not allowed walk-ins and walk-ins are classed as people that just buy tickets on the day and just come and stand at the bars and stand on the dance floor and dance and this, that and the other. But, so uh, there's normally be, I don't know there's 800 people in here today. There's normally be 1600 people. So, um, or 1400, depending on what um, uh, restrictions are at the time. But um, yeah, that's the problem. Um, but it's still great. It's, you know, I think this year people have actually seen the club for what it is and realised the, the the actual beauty of it, really. Because um, normally you can't see any spaces anywhere. And like, it's, it's just like, but because it's a little bit more open this year, people are, have got more access to mingle with other clients. And I've, I've, I seem to have had more compliments about the club this year than I ever before. But we're definitely going to go back to getting it packed out, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's um obviously it's a business yeah of course but yeah definitely and nice. I, mean, I was just gonna say i mean there are a lot of topics that would be really interesting to discuss well firstly um and you touched on some aspects of it there i really want to talk about the last year year and a half um you know people's lives have been impacted in so many different ways workplaces have had to completely revolutionize the way that they operate um, I'm really interested to hear about your perspective on how the pandemic impacted your business over the course of time. And I'm sure, given the importance of the likes of international travel and the free movement of people, it must have been yeah. uh, really challenging for you. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a battle, to be honest. You know, last year was completely devastating to us. Um, you know, on... On a history event, for example, on a Tuesday afternoon, I remember one time last year I walked into the premises, into the venue, 7.30 at night, where I'm normally walking into complete madness. You know, you can't move, everyone's hands are in the air, they're dancing on the dance floor and it's going crazy. And, and I walked in, there was three beds taken. You know, we've got 180 beds and tables. And, uh, you know, I, I, that day I turned around, I got in my car and I cried all the way home, you know, it was bad. Um, but yeah. So, but the problem is with our industry is you, you can't, we can't adapt. We can't make it online. You know, you have to, you have to breathe and live the atmosphere and 
and the good times and, and the music and you know the music we play and every DJ plays it's it's you know you can't get that you can't get that same feeling at home online and you know what I mean all the girls with bikinis all the lads are in the shorts with their abs out and <laughs> yeah. but yeah so it was it's been tough to adapt but um so we've just had to really wait until the restrictions have allowed us to progress over the last year which has been a lot better this year um and the the further into the year i mean the dance the, the clubs are now going to open believe it or not for the last two weeks of the season so that's great we can start dancing again soon and um, you know, there's no mask now or anything like. You can, you have to wear your mask to go to the toilet. Mm. <laughs> what that, what that benefits anyone? I don't know. Yeah. And if we do open the dance floors, you're gonna have to wear the mask on the way to the dance floor, then take it off. <laughs> um, crazy rules, you know. But you know, we have to respect them rules, and um, you know, um, which we have done. Um, we've done everything we can to accommodate uh, the pandemic. And the danger of the pandemic, and um, but yeah, obviously everyone's really tired of it now. And people, you know, what we've suffered is nothing in compared to you know families losing, losing their, you know, their well losing parts of their family and stuff, you know, through COVID. And so yeah, we do respect that, and uh, but we are a business, and we do have to keep going, and we do have to keep, we have to try to survive. And oh yeah, we're just going to do what we can do, really. Yeah. Certainly, and I mean, as I said to you when we were talking on on WhatsApp, um, that was my first ever time at Old Beach earlier this month. And you know, as, as you outlined there, for the restrictions that were in place, it was still an excellent experience. You could see everything was just like you know a well-oiled machine. Uh, the hostesses, the you know the the chefs, the bar people, mm. everyone knew what what they were doing, and everybody respected that. And you know it was still an yeah. enjoyable time. Um, what I really wanted to ask you about, I think, especially from a, a business standpoint, what's great about O Beach um, is the branding of 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 um, O Beach, like. The branding and yeah. the PR, like, for example, just to look at another aspect of your businesses, for example, Lineker's, uh, just come, obviously you've used the name Lineker's is commonly associated with sports, but now Lineker's bars are commonly associated with sports broadcasting. Like you can always go into a Lineker's bar and watch football whenever football is on. Uh, and Obeach, as I mentioned, what in particular stands out to me uh, is, you know, absolutely fantastic. You can see it in the backdrop there, the colour orange. It's just tightly associated with OB. Yeah. Uh, you, think, the, you think of the circular beds in the pool. Uh, all these just little things that I think have just been a masterstroke in regards to the, the branding of OB. Did you have that in yeah. mind when, you know, creating the business? Um, I mean, the branding's all done by Tony Truman and Gemma, uh, Gemma Charters, who's a marketing and brand manager. Um Obviously, it all gets put forward to me and and the rest of the partners, and but we always tend to agree with them. I think the master stroke really was the Orange Cup, to be honest. Um, you know, if I if I do a post about the Orange Cup, it's it just it just gets so much interaction. You know, have, have you stolen one of these cups? You know, <laughs> I've just been playing on that for the last couple of years, and it's uh, it's been really successful. I mean, we get, I said, if you can get out with one, you, you can have it, you know. Um, but it's difficult to get it out, so you have to think outside the box. <laughs> but the orange has become iconic now. Um, 
and obviously the logo is recognised by everyone. And yeah, so I do see what you're saying. We've kept our colour scheme throughout the years. It's our tenth year anniversary next year. And we were super excited about that. We hope the restrictions are completely gone by then and uh, we can have a 10th anniversary that everyone is uh, waiting for. Yeah, certainly. It'd be, be nice to get myself over there for that. Like, uh, yeah, some, Something else that I wanted to ask, especially from, I guess, a, a PR, public relations aspect, mm-hmm. is you yourself, I think it's fantastic as a business owner that you're so visible especially around O-Beach, you're always there. I've seen that, that post that you put up on Instagram about people always asking you for photos and how that, <laughs> how, how that can be in the most bizarre of situations. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that leads to really good PR, like relationships with your customers and your staff. Um, so can you just touch on how important you think it is as an owner of a business to be visible for your staff and your customers? Um, yeah, I just want to, reiterate that it's not I don't have to come to Ocean I don't have to come today um, I can stay home and watch Loose Women if I want but I don't really want to because I've got you know I've got a venue full of people that, that have now want to see me there um, and um, yeah I find it quite bizarre but that's just the way it's grown over the years and now it's become a thing to get a selfie with me you know, people's like hem parties, they, they have a bucket list and always number one's getting a selfie away, Lily. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't walk down the streets 10 yards now without, you know, in Ibiza. But it's amazing, you know, it's, um, and I've always said, if I can make somebody's day 1% better by having that picture with them, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, you know, I'll never, ever say no, ever, unless I look in a complete mess, um, which happens. But yeah, so that's that's my take on it. Um, I'm super honoured that everybody asks and people say to me, does it drive you crazy? I said, does it not drive you mad? I said, it will drive me mad if people stop asking, you know. <laughs> so till that happens, I'll carry on. But it's funny, you know. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a, that's a, a brilliant outlook to have. You know, at the end of the day, if you're making somebody's day 1% better. But yeah, what it is, people appreciate that it's not a corporate company you know and we've done so well that people are like oh this is actually real people that have opened this you know it's not it's not a corporate company that you never see the owners of or this that and the other and I think that makes a little bit of difference people always want someone to associate a good time with and unfortunately for me that's me um you know I've got several partners in the business my son Dwayne and Tony Truman and a guy called Maxi, you know, we all play our own part in this. Uh, my son runs the back of the back of the ship, as we call it. You know, he, he he does all the work behind the scenes. Tony does all the events. So basically, they do all the work, and I take all the credit. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that as you, as long as you're on the receiving end of that, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, it is me really that's laid the foundations from way back in the day. Of course. Um, with Tony as well, he's you know he's been he's iconic in the party world with True Do's and so we're just a really good team between us. I think you know we've got a lot of experience between us and uh, every mistakes that's been every mistake that there is to be made we've made them, especially me, um, and that's where you learn from your mistakes and uh, and 
yeah, 10 years ago, we opened o, o Beach or Ocean Beach and we never thought it would, I mean, you couldn't dream to, to, to envisage what success it would be, but it's been, it's been a natural flow for the, over the 10 years and uh, yeah, we're very grateful. Most certainly. And I think that's something that I really do want to uh, move into now. Like, you know, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying about people wanting to get photos with people who are considered of celebrity status or, or famous to some extent. But for me, for example, when I saw you and I spoke to you, I'd much rather be able to have this sort of opportunity to sit down and, and talk and learn about the person and, and the story behind the success. Um, so what I really wanted to find out about is the story that got you to where you are today, essentially. Um, and hopefully from that, I can learn something from it. So if you don't mind, where did it all start for you? And how did you get to the point that you are today, essentially, as an international entrepreneur? Well, all happened by accident, really. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I used to work on the fruit and veg markets with my dad. I left school at 14, five days before my 15th birthday. Um, I took no exams, nothing. Um, I learned everything I know from, from my dad and from being on the market. Um, I mean, there's no better education than that, to be honest. You know, Leicester Market was the biggest permanent market in Europe. Um, I, used to, I used to shout all the banana stuff and all that, the plums and, you know, get your gut plums. <laughs> yeah, so I was, and I was, when I was 25, 26, um, the supermarket started opening in, in the UK, like the big one-stop shops, you know, these just, Supermarkets never used to sell fruit and veg, so everyone used to come to the city centre to buy the fruit and veg, and it was it was vibrant. It was so busy, you know. We used to take a lot of money, used to do really well. It just died, just died over a two year period, and I could see it only going only going that way. Um, people just used to go to you know Tesco, Sainsbury's, whatever, and buy everything in one one place. So that I saw that coming and. And I always, at that time, my wife at that, that time, the mother of Dwayne and Sean, my children, parents lived in um, Tenerife. And I was like, oh, I just, I, just, I just want to move away from the markets now. I want to open a bar. And obviously I had a, a, a very famous second name, even though I never made it famous at the time. But um, so I thought, I'm in, a, I'm in an ideal opportunity here to, to open a bar and I'll call it Lenicus. So it was a, at that time a sports theme. It's more than that now, but um, but yeah. So I, I went to Tenerife. I opened the, I opened my first bar and it just went really really well from day one. Um, got busier and busier. Got so busy we have to move premises to a bigger to a bigger place in Las Americas. And yeah, it just went crazy. At that time, everyone used to go to Tenerife. Ibiza wasn't what it was today, and um, you know, everyone was just piling into Tenerife and it was just a crazy time. And uh, yeah, that laid all the foundations for me. And then I started buying into clubs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and then Tony Truman approached me. He wanted to open a Linekers in Ibiza. So we opened the Linekers in Ibiza and then that led to opening Ocean Beach um, in 2012. Yeah, um, yeah, Tony came up to me. Well, once we're been involved in Indica since 2008. You know, he said, we need to open a beach club in Ibiza. And um, so Tony and myself spoke about it. 
and my son Dwayne. And um, we found the well, Tony found the perfect venue. And he said he called me one day and said, "Wayne, I think I found the venue for us." I said, "Okay." I, I went down. I look at it, and I immediately seen it. I seen everything. So did Tony. You know, we were speaking. And we were getting excited. You know, I mean, the problem is with opening things that we've we're opening now is is so more or less impossible to get the right location because um, they don't exist anymore it's with the licensing and blah blah blah. But um, so yeah, we opened. Uh, we originally it was a wedding venue by owned by an old Spanish family that were up for retirement. They'd had enough, so it was perfect timing. And um, and the next door was owned by the same family, which was another restaurant. Um, so we did a deal on the two places, and we knocked it all down. It looked, it looked too big. We were like, oh my god, this is too big. And now big enough. But um, but yeah, that's the story. And then we 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 built, we took ideas from Vegas and all all the famous pool park venues, pool party venues across the world, and. And we created Ocean Beach. That's really interesting to hear, especially yeah. um, different influences that have impacted decisions going forward yeah. as to the, the venue itself. I find that really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask, maybe a little bit of a detour. I know you mentioned that you were working on the, you know, the fruit stalls in Leicester as a kid. Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that you were on Leicester City's books when you were younger? When I was 14, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I used to go training every every night after school. Um, and uh, But I went home on my, I think it was my 15th birthday. And I said to my dad, I said, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to go train anymore. It's just not for me. I want to be out with my mates. I want to go roller skating. I want to go this, that, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is with Gary, obviously, he had everything, dedication, uh, commitment, you know, everything. I had none of that shit. I just, I was just a crazy lad, just wanted to party. And he actually wrote a comment in his book, and he said um, that his brother had more skill in his little toe than I had in my whole body, So, which is a nice compliment from Gary. But um, yeah, I had all the skill, but I had nothing else. I had no... No dedication. All I wanted to do was turn up and play. That's it. Um, so the training and all that. Same with cricket. You know, I was I was on Leicestershire school books with cricket as well, but I didn't want to do the training. You know, hmm. uh, I just wanted to turn up and uh, play. But that's just wanted to turn up and play. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, otherwise, get me home to the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. It... It certainly proved a successful decision in the long run. Uh, yeah. What I what I wanted to ask about, I guess you know that's really interesting to hear about how O Beach and other venues around you know Europe were developed, like Lineker's and, and whatnot. But now you're in a real real interesting era. I find like I studied a lot about sports broadcasting um, when I was in university. It's it, it's just an area that I hope to work in in the future. And obviously with the, with the advent of Lineker's, um, doing my research, I heard that Lineker's uh, was one of the first places, you know, in Spain that really latched on to showing uh, English games uh, abroad. Yeah, well, funny story for that. Go on. So back in the, I don't know, 1987, when um, there was no Sky TV, no nothing like that, uh, there was just 
radio stations that played commentary now and again whenever they wanted to and you couldn't rely on it you know um but i had a friend of mine called terry bateman who used to live in waltham abbey in essex and i called him up one day i said i've got an idea i said when england play or when there's a big game it's on tv in the uk because you couldn't you couldn't get it in spain it's impossible i want to call you up i want you to put the phone by the speaker on the on the tv and I'll channel that through the speakers in my bar. And I've all now got a live commentary of all the England games. You couldn't see anything, but it just went mad. It went absolutely mad. And all the other bar owners have gone, how's he doing it? But I had a phone in the bar and I used to link the phone through the ca cables into the speakers. My mate used to sit there with it. Well, I used to stand the uh, telephone next to the... Um, next to the TV, and I used to have the commentary, and no one else had it in the whole of Tenerife. So it was uh, it was crazy, but I could never give my secret away. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we got a free ride really for the first two years, three years until Sky, Sky TV started dripping in and cable TV and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so that, that became iconic with uh, Lineker's uh, for the football. Yeah. Uh, good times. Most certainly, and that's a that's an excellent decision if I do say so myself. You couldn't physically fit anybody else in the in the in the in the venue. It was just rammed all down the streets, everywhere, just trying to listen to the game. <laughs> no one. Oh, that's brilliant, yeah. uh, especially you know. As I say, I've got a keen interest in sports broadcasting, mm -hmm. so to to hear that as one of the earlier tactics prior to the like to Sky and and other sort. <laughs> Broadcasters, that that's absolutely fantastic. Well, so, sixty quid. What was that? The phone call used to cost me about sixty quid. Fucking hell! But, but, uh, I bet you got that back in bar receipts, though. Yeah, in about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that I wanted to ask about, which I guess is is a bit more modern, essentially, is uh, the development of the likes of digital media uh, and technology, uh, which has impacted near enough every in industry. Um, Social media. Yeah, essentially, mate. Like, over the last 20, 25 years, digital media yeah. has absolutely changed everything. Um, I really wanted to find out for you, you know, how has that had an impact on your business over time? And how have you made it work so well in your advantage? Yeah, I mean, ridiculous, really. I mean... Yeah. You know, Instagram's become not just Instagram, Facebook, and all on all the and all the social media sites, but Instagram in particular for us um, changed our business overnight. You know, what was happening was people were coming to the venue, taking pictures and posting, saying at the time of their life, time of their life, time of life. You know, a thousand people a day, and it was going, it was going everywhere, and so everyone was like booking Ocean Beach and. And the thing to do was, as soon as you got ocean, you, have, you had a picture, blah, blah, blah. And it used to be, well, you know, you don't need it. We didn't have to spend a penny on advertising anymore. The people advertised it for us, um, which without social media, we, we wouldn't be what we were today for sure. But um, yeah, that had a huge impact. But mainly with my profile at the start, and then obviously Ocean Beach opened their profile. And um, But yeah, I mean, the traffic, the traffic I get, or I've had in the past from Ocean Beach posts is, is just phenomenal, really. And, um, you know, if someone's if someone shares that to their 
thousand followers or two thousand followers. That's another two thousand people that's seeing it. It just goes and goes and goes and goes, and uh, yeah, it's an amazing tool for us. Yeah, and it, it's as I say, it's brilliant that you've been able to recognise that and make that work fully for yeah advantage. Anything when I used to start posting, I used to, never used to think about the the free advertising aspects of it. It just um, it's just something I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to let people. You know, I was proud of what we'd opened and and then that latched on to people then posting and tagging me and tagging Ocean and yeah, it just went mad. Yeah. That's what it is essentially. It's a marketing tool, I feel. I think it's a it's a fantastic marketing tool. Yeah. And I was like oh, if we open a new business, we'd set out we'd set our stall out for social media, you know, to make sure the venues um Instagram there's plenty of parts of the business or places of the business or props of the business that people want to take pictures of like like, like WikiWoo you know I mean that's completely Instagram friendly and people love to go there because it's um, it's an iconic place now to have pictures and, um, and then pictures then get posted on social media and hey presto we've got another free advert <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, talking of of Instagram I came across um, an Instagram, sort of like a, a reel or a video that come up on my Instagram the other day. And it, it goes back to what you were saying before about making mistakes and learning from mistakes. Um, it was a gentleman called Ken Robinson, who I didn't actually know, but he's from Liverpool, but that's irrelevant. Uh, he was given a lecture on how, I'm paraphrasing here essentially, I'm just going off the top of my head of what I can remember. It's, it's hard to come up with anything original now because everybody's yeah. afraid of being wrong. Um, he said, essentially, companies today and schools have stigmatized mistakes. So we're essentially educating people out of their creative ability uh, purely from the fear of being wrong. Now, I know that's a bit deep, Wayne, uh, but just going from what you were saying before about you've made every mistake in the book and you've learned from that. Are there any particular mistakes or lessons that you've learned from experiences that have benefited you today? Yeah, I mean, I can I can relate to what they're saying because obviously I've took abuse online for many, many years for whatever reason. Um, most of it, not my own fault, but the, the, the negative side of social media is obviously um, people abusing people, you know, like, you got young influencers coming through the market now, getting abuse, and you know people taking their own lives because of it, and um, you know that's had a big effect on me. Um, I've lost, I've lost good friends, Caroline Flack, um, Mike Thirsites, um, you know, and, and a, a quite a few friends took their own lives. My ex girlfriend Sophie Graydon she took her own life because of abuse online. So that that's charged me up to um, open. No Excuse for Abuse, which is a podcast that I do, um, which will, season two will start in November. Um, yeah, so I do understand that. Um, I have made mistakes, you know, posting stuff that's a little bit too controversial. Um, but I don't regret them because they're, they're all tongue-in-cheek anyway. And it's got me really to where I am today now, social media-wise. And... Um, but I do. I've have learned from their mistakes, and I won't post anything now that's too controversial or could upset anyone in any way. Um, so yeah, I do understand that, and um, 
it's just the world we live in, isn't it? So there is a positive side of social media. There's also a negative side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but we're trying. We're trying our corner for the for the up and coming people that um, that are, you know, if someone goes on to Love Island, for example, they'll go in with a thousand followers and they'll come out with a million. You know, that's hard to take for these people, and and a lot of that million people are, are just there to give abuse, and um, it's not right. It's not nice. And it affects their, their, you know, their young mind. And, you know, if you're in that place where, you know, I know so many people that took their own lives with just stupid things now, um, receiving abuse from people they don't even know. And um, so we're trying to help with that a little bit. And um, I do recognise it. And, um, yeah, let's hope we can make a difference. Yeah, certainly. That's a, a wonderful point that you do raise. I'm glad that you've, you took it down that route of online abuse and, you know, as soon as season two of the podcast is out, just let me know and I'll, I'll definitely promote it to the people that follow me. What well, One of the things I would be interested to hear about is you talked about some of the trials and tribulations of, of coming up as a, as a younger entrepreneur, saying moving away at 25, 26. Were there, mm-hmm. in, in that field, were there any particular mistakes that you made that you've learned from to run such successful businesses that you see today? Yeah, um, location, location, location. <laughs> Always. I mean, they're the big mistakes I've made. Um, you know, in my industry, for example, you know, I've opened venues close to apartments that have then denounced, which is reported, um, the noise and this, that, and the other. I've had, I've had closures out of this. Um, and I've opened venues that are down the road, but a lot cheaper rent doesn't work doesn't work you know you've got to be in the mix um yeah you can't you know there's no there's no cutting corners in this industry you've just got to go out there and find the right venue and property and go with it um but the back street the out the way properties they, they don't work and they never will they don't work for me so they're not gonna work for anyone else um yeah you've got to have you've got to have such an amazing theme an amazing um yeah thing going on with with your idea or whatever um but you need to stick it in the middle of the action if you can but yeah those are the those are the general mistakes noise is the problem um you know um you we're only allowed a certain amount of decibels at ocean beach for example we're allowed i think it's 86 or 88 decibels which is on the street inside the venue you can do certain things like Turn the camp, turn the speakers around facing each other and stuff like that, which will create a, a louder, a louder sound in the venue. But, um, but yeah, all that, all those things are super important. But, but they can take you down in a, in a minute, you know. Uh, that that's really insightful. I, I find that really interesting because uh, even though it wasn't in um, that sector, uh, like like clubs and whatnot, I was looking at starting my own business up prior to the pandemic um but i just guess that the the instability of the economy um sort of just yeah, detected. it's a really tough time to open a new business really tough you know uh, we opened a new venue last year called bambaku next to ocean yeah we've we've done okay you know but it's been a real battle from day one you know um obviously all the COVID restrictions and this, that, and the other we've had to abide by. It's been really, really difficult. Um, but it's it's become a really popular place. Um, so I think next year we'll start to really see the benefits. But, 
yeah, really tough time to open new businesses. But now, it's a good time to open a business because you can steal them. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to tell me. There's a lot of you know, a lot of people own skin. And, yeah, so, I mean, fortunately, we're financially strong at Ocean, so we've, we've been able to survive, but there's a lot of businesses that, have, uh, that are about to go under because mm. of this pressure that, that this, this industry's um, received. No, certainly. And on that note, I guess it'd be really interesting to hear. And I've made the note, you know, location, location, location. But mm. um, have you any advice for any young up and coming aspiring entrepreneurs? And if you put yourself in, in their shoes around that age, 25, 26, when you did move away, what areas of your skill set would you say that you developed most? Um. Just knowing what the public want, really, because it's not what about you want, it's about what they want. It's the same as a DJ. You don't play music to yourself, you play music to the crowd. You know, you've got to be able to read that um, and just be just be humble. Be humble in this world. Don't be rude. You know, you're not going to get anywhere if you're rude. You know, you're not, you, nobody's bigger than the next person. You know, just be nice, be polite. You know, be polite to the local authorities, be, be polite to your clients, be polite to your lawyers, you know, just just be nice, you know. And I think that makes a big difference. You know, instead of, you know, nobody wants to listen to an arrogant person. Um, they're never going to get very far. Um, that's my take on it anyway. No, certainly. There are definitely aspects to, to make notes of, especially for any young entrepreneurs out there looking to, yeah. to build. Well, you know, I think you can always approach people if you if you've got the right attitude. But if you're if you're a little bit arrogant, this they'll read that and they'll be like, yeah, job this guy on, you know. Yeah. Um, you're humble and nice and polite. You know, people will give you time. Um, so yeah, that's my advice. Yeah, I like to think I was nice enough to you, Wayne. I was a bit drunk, but I still <laughs> still think. Oh, nice. Face it. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I've seen a thousand people every day. I meet a thousand people every day. And um, so I can eventually at last read people. And uh, But yeah, you're a good guy, man. See you in your smile. Cheers, man. I appreciate it. Well, listen, it has been absolutely fantastic to, to talk to you, Wayne. And I really respect the fact that you're someone that's always busy for a living, essentially. And what again i respect is that you live your life to your fullest you've got a hell of a lot going on um i was i was reading up on the you know the expansion plans uh if it was right if i'm right i'm saying in the like to dubai and mexico that, that are in the pipeline uh, i know you've got a song that's out on the charts uh and this last week you did a lot around the uh, down syndrome awareness which is absolutely wonderful uh yeah. a lot of initiatives that you are involved in uh and you know, Down, well, welcome Down, to promote all this now. Make the floors yours. Thank you. The Down syndrome um, awareness things something close to my heart. You know, I've been involved. I've been been involved in raising money for Down syndrome people for if that's the right time. Sorry if it's not um, people that have Down syndrome. Um, and yeah, they're just beautiful people. They're always smiling. They're always happy. They've got no stress in their life because they don't have to worry about anything. They don't think about that, you know. So I decided that um, a couple of years or last year to to try and create a song for Down Syndrome Awareness Day, 
which was due out this March, which is Down Syndrome Awareness Day. Uh, because of COVID restrictions, we couldn't make the video, we couldn't record, we couldn't do this, couldn't do that. So we've managed to record the song. We've now just recorded the video, um, or the snippets of the video, and it's all going to be edited and put together. I'm very excited for it. It's, a, it's an absolute great song. Uh, Clark, Clark King sings the vocals with Victoria, the my Down Syndrome friend, um, one of them. Um, she's doing the rapping. She's really funny. Um, I think the public are going to like it, and I hope they do. Um, obviously, all profits and uh, all, all everything goes to Down Syndrome Awareness um, Company in Darlington. And uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. Excellent. Uh, and just before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd you'd like to promote and get out there to to listeners and viewers? No, no, we're all good. Um, I'm happy. I'll let Instagram do the promoting for me. <laughs> Happy days. Wayne, as I say, mate, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your time with me. And uh, who, knows, who knows, maybe next summer uh, we'll be, be recording one of these from, from Old Beach. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, you like to think so, mate. Bring your equipment. <laughs> I will do.